And welcome back to New Beginnings. I'm Amber James, and I'm the founder of New Beginnings Family Law here in Huntsville, Alabama. And today we're talking about an area of the law that is absolutely a new beginning for a family. And we're going to talk about adoption. Um, I had the the honor and the opportunity last night to do a speech over at St. John the Baptist Catholic Church in Madison um, to a group there that are considering adoption and wanted to know more information about how the process works and what their various options were. So I thought this was a perfect opportunity to talk to our listeners about adoption and some of the options that you have if you want to adopt a child, if you want to grow your family through that process. Now, one thing we won't talk about today necessarily is surrogacy, and that is a way also to grow your family, but that's its own show and its own topic, and um, we could talk about that all day, um, but it's, you know, we're going to, today we're going to stick with adoption, and we're only really going to be able to scratch the surface of what you really need to know about adoption. So we're going to kind of hit the highlights, and then if after the show you have questions, you can always contact us at our office at 256 256- um, 518-9529. But this morning we're going to talk about there's you know, two kind of, it starts out kind of like a branch. There's two types of adoption. There's domestic adoption and intercountry adoption. In other words, international adoption. And from those two branches, then in, under domestic adoption, you've got various options as well. You've got what's called a public agency adoption, um, a licensed private agency adoption, an independent adoption in a facilitated kind of unlicensed agency adoption. And so there's some different ways you can go about doing that. One of the most interesting things I have seen um, kind of trending in the last 10 years that I've been practicing law now 11, I just hit my 11th anniversary um, of being a lawyer. One of the most interesting things I've seen is the increase in the number of couples finding children on Facebook um, or, you know, other forms of social media, Facebook being the most popular And you may wonder, how in the world is that happening? Well, what happens is a couple goes on Facebook and posts something about wanting to adopt, or they join various Facebook groups about adoption. Um, And there are young ladies out there who are looking to give up their baby for adoption, and they're kind of scared to go to an agency. And they're posting things on Facebook, or they're talking to friends at church. And those friends are kind of connected to people on Facebook who are looking to adopt. And the next thing we know, we have a, a, you know, a couple that's matched with a young lady, and they've done it completely on their own without anybody facilitating that process. It's just the two of them finding one another. And that's really been an interesting trend that I have seen here in the last 10 years where there are more um, couples you know, reaching out through social media to attempt to find a child. And there are more young ladies who are also um, looking for prospective adoptive parents through Facebook. Um, and so if you're going to go that route, if you think, well, I, I might want to, you know, you know, advertise more or less that I would like to adopt a child. You know, you need to be very careful about the things you post on Facebook. Um, you know, you want to make sure you, you show yourself in the best light. But ultimately, that's not the way I would normally recommend that a couple um, get matched with a young lady because there, there are a lot of things that an agency can and will do for you in the adoption process that, you know, that are not going to happen if you just kind of facilitate this on your own through Facebook. I've, I've had two very successful adoptions come through that way. Um, but at the same time, it, they had their hangups and we had to kind of navigate those. And there, there were issues that we could have um, not had in the adoption process had the couple gone through an agency to adopt. 
Um, so you have that option of you find a young lady who would like to give up their, her child for adoption and you, um, you know, you match yourself with her and then you talk to an attorney about all the legalities of how to go through the adoption process. And the other option is to go, one of the other options, there's several, um, is to go through a licensed agency. Um, there are several varieties of that. There are your more faith-based um, groups or faith-based agencies that will assist you. Um, there's you know, Catholic Family Services. Um, there's the Latter-day Saints Family Services. Um, there's also the Agape, which is kind of, as I understand it, affiliated with the Church of Christ. You know, So you have faith-based adoption agencies and then you have non-faith-based adoption agencies more just you know private adoption agencies and there's several of those in Alabama I mean if you're going to work with an agency I always suggest that you ask lots of questions when you call the agency because you can go online I actually did a search night before last where I just said Alabama adoption agencies and several popped up some of which I have worked with in the past and some that I have not um, but in order to facilitate um, a match and to you know have somebody come to you and say, I would like to give up my baby for adoption, can you help me through this process, you do have to be a licensed child placement agency. So when you call one of these adoption agencies, I would that would be the first question I would ask is, are you a licensed child placement agency? Um, do you have any documentation that supports your contention that you are indeed a licensed child placement agency? Then I would ask some other questions as well related to, you know, how they go about um, meeting with a young lady. How do the young ladies come to them? Um, what kind of services do they provide to the birth mother? Um, how are they going to make sure that the birth mother really wants to do this and she's not being coerced or forced into it? So come back after the break and we're going to discuss some more about domestic adoption. And welcome back to New Beginnings. I'm Amber James, and this morning we're discussing adoption. Um, we were discussing in the last segment um, varieties of domestic adoption. So um, in the, the first segment, we talked about what is kind of what we call an independent adoption, um, and, you know, the adoption process where the couple and the young lady are matched on their own through their own um, networks and circles of friends or through Facebook or something like that. Um, and then the attorney in the case is really just kind of facilitating the legal side of the adoption process. So, you know, we're making sure that you get a home study and we're making sure that mom um, can give us some idea of what expenses she may need us to pay on her behalf. And then we go to the court and ask for permission to pay those expenses um, before you incur any of them. And, and that's, you know, from that standpoint, you're hiring a lawyer more or less to just kind of facilitate the legalities of the adoption and so that's you know that's something that can happen and does happen on a regular basis um, and then we started kind of moving into what are called um, you know facilitated adoptions through an actual licensed private agency so that could be you know like we discussed a faith-based faith-based agency or a non-faith-based agency. Um, and when you deal with an agency, like I was saying in the first segment, you want to make sure that you discuss with them you know, various topics, you know, including you know, how they're going to ensure that the young lady who is giving her child up for adoption is not being forced or coerced into giving her child up for adoption. Because the last thing you want to see happen is to have 
um, the mom or the you know the, what we call the putative father um, in a lot of cases come back and say, well, I was forced into this or I was coerced. I was offered money to give up my child for adoption or I was offered a day at the spa right before I signed my consent or, you know, in reward for my consent. So you want to be careful when you deal with an agency. Um, most of them are very reputable, but there are a few that may not be. And so you want to ask lots of good questions. You want to also ask them, what is their rate of matching? You know, how often have they been able to match a couple with a young lady, that's going to give you an idea of their experience. Um, you want to ask them about what services are they going to provide? Are they going to um, provide the um, mom with some counseling? Are they going to be um, facilitating your home study? Are they going to you know, kind of manage the, the money you may be paying for mom's expenses? How is all that going to work? Um, and the more services an agency provides, um, generally the more expensive the fee is that you're going to have to pay to the agency. However, making sure that you have an agency that is going to provide you with great service, both from the parent side, and that's going to provide great service to the mother or and the potential father of a child. Um, you want to make sure that the um, they're going to provide great service to both sides and that it's going to be a very holistic process for everyone um, because that is the best option you know when it comes down to it when we have to go to court um, you want to know that all the i's have been dotted and all the t's have been crossed and so if you hire a reputable um, and well-established licensed private agency then your adoption is going to go much smoother I can't guarantee that every time the parent isn't going to change their mind at the end because that does happen um, you could be matched with a parent and at the end of the day discover that once she gives birth to the baby she wants to keep the baby and you know that's her choice if she wants to do that um, and she may have some, in, you know, she may change her mind again later, but at that moment, you know, that's how it is. And so adoption can be a roller coaster kind of situation. You may be matched with a young lady and, and you meet her and she meets you and you guys decide that this isn't going to work out. Um, you're not comfortable with the situation or kind of her requests related to the adoption. So you've got to be patient. Even when dealing with an agency, you've got to be very patient in the process and understand that it is a process it, it's it, it's going to be a journey and it's not generally going to be short um, but it is very rewarding it's one of those journeys that um, when you come home it's you, you have the best gift ever um, it's kind of like um, one of the ladies I was speaking with last night at the the meeting that I spoke um, at she had adopted a child from Russia and she talked about how she had kind of forgotten all of the kind of issues that they had had going into the adoption um, some of the concerns that it had 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 occurred and the testing that had to get redone or home studies that had to be redone as they were working through the process and she said you know it's kind of like being in labor you know labor is very painful and it's not a fun process but at the end you have this baby and after you have the baby you kind of forget about how horrible labor was she said I kind of had forgotten about how difficult the journey was to get our baby from Russia um, but she said at the same time, it does remind her because she later on had a, a biological child of her own. She said it reminded me of how similar it is to that same thing. Once your baby is in your arms, you kind of forget about the difficulty in the process. And so that is very true. You, the process could be difficult. It can be arduous. But once that baby is in your arms and you're taking that baby home, 
then you kind of forget about how difficult all of it was. But so when you're going through that, like I said, if you're going to go through a licensed agency, just ask lots of good questions, get a lot of good perspective on, on the, everyone's roles in the, in the, in the transaction and in the, the process, and then make sure you've talked to an attorney to help you kind of facilitate the process there at the end when all the legalities have to be taken care of. So if you'll come back after the break, we're going to talk about another topic related to domestic adoption, which are going to be called public agency adoption. So I'll see you here back after the break. And welcome back to New Beginnings. I'm Amber James. And today we're talking about adoption. We've talked some about independent adoptions. We've talked about licensed child agency um, placement adoptions, child uh, licensed child placement agency adoptions. There we go. Some days I can't get all the words out. Um, but now we want to talk a little bit about public agency adoptions. And when I talk about public agency adoptions, what I'm talking about are um, basically foster to adopt type um, programs. So you're talking about working with in Alabama, it'd be the Alabama Department of Human Resources. Um, Maybe in Tennessee, it's called Child Protective Services, I believe. So in each state, it's called something a little different. But basically, it's an opportunity to give a family to a child that has not had one, basically. Um, These children have come into care through the foster care system. Um, They may have been in one or more foster homes while their cases was pending. Um, And now their parents' rights have been terminated and they are ready for placement for adoption. Um, And it's a gift that you can give to a child that is just immeasurable. Um, A lot of these children may have never had a stable mom and dad to parent family. Um, they may have never, you know, had um, the opportunity to sleep in a bed that was theirs in a room that was theirs. Um, I do a lot of work with children who um, are in foster care. And these kids are kind of unfortunately carted from one home to another with all of their belongings in a garbage bag or something like that. And, and you know, and that's not DHR's fault. It's just the, the resources they have available. So, you know, if you are feel called to adopt and you are willing to adopt a child who is older, you're generally looking at a child, you know, eight years and up, um, sometimes in sibling groups, um, things like that, that... Um, have not been able to find a permanent forever home, going through this public agency adoption process is incredibly helpful and, and such a blessing to these children. If you're thinking about doing that here in Alabama, you want to go to dhr.alabama.gov backslash services backslash adoption um, backslash adoption underscore checklist dot ASPX. Um, and that will get you to the adoption checklist. Of course, you could just probably put in to Google DHR Alabama adoption checklist and they, that'll get you to the form. But basically, they have, Alabama has a great website on or a, a part of a website about how you can go about doing a public agency adoption and some of the requirements that have to be met. So in Alabama, if you want to do a public agency adoption working through the Alabama Department of Human Resources, um, you must be over the age of 19. If you're married, your marriage must be be at least three years in length. Um, If you are a married couple, one of you must be a U.S. citizen. 
Um, You must have adequate housing and personal space for the child or children adopted, and you must be healthy enough to meet a child's needs. Sometimes you're going to have a child that has special needs, um, and they want to make sure that you are healthy enough to meet those needs long term. Um, Some of these children may need to be in a home with their foster parents for the duration of their lives, and so you want to make sure that you're healthy enough to manage that. You also will have to be subject to a background check and fingerprinting, including a criminal history. DHR is also going to um, look through their child abuse and neglect registry. So if you've had any history of um, child abuse or neglect, this will not be an option for you. Um, But once you make sure that you um, meet all the requirements, then you submit an application. Then you will go through a process called group preparation and selection. Um, It's a class. There's 10 meetings um, requiring 30 hours of classroom time. Um, You will have classes from everything from managing a child's special needs to how to talk to a child about um, his or her parents, if they remember their parents um, and things like that. So it's a great program. I had the opportunity to speak at one of their classes about you know, kind of the finalization process related to an adoption. And so that was a real blessing. Um, I enjoyed seeing the couples that were sitting in the class become so close. I was I was actually there for the 10th class. And so I got to see them, you know, after they've bonded for the last nine weeks. And it was really, it, it, they were so close. And they had created these little support groups amongst themselves um, that they would be there for one another when, Um, a child was placed with them and so then they would have the opportunity to have somebody to go to to kind of talk about that you're also going to be subject to having a social worker come and interview you and other members in your home and that's like a home study you have to do a home study in any adoption that is not a related adoption so one of the adoptions we're not talking about today are you know step parent or close relative adoptions we are strictly talking about um, where you're not trying to adopt a relative of yours in, in some form or fashion. So um, in any adoption outside of those close relative adoptions, you have to do a home study anyway. Um, and in that home study, you know, DHR or another social worker is going to come out and meet with you and talk to you about your family, talk about your family history, talk about your marriage. If you're married, if you're single, um, they may talk to you about any relationships you may be in at the moment or may um, be looking to have in the future. They're going to want to look at your bank statements and understand your budget to make sure that you have sufficient financial resources to care for a child. So that home study process can take a little while, especially with just getting it scheduled and and getting everyone out there. But um, once it's done and you've had this meeting with a social worker and you've had your 10 meetings um, and you get approved as an adoption resource, then you can, um, you'll have some background information you'll get um, from the um, state office of adoption And then you're going to get some pre-placement visits with the child for you and the child to kind of both learn about each other. And and do I feel comfortable here? Could this be my forever home? And could this be our forever child? And then after all of it, once the decision is made that the um, couple does want to adopt the child and the child wants to be adopted by the couple, 
then you can move forward with the legal side um, of the process. So a child's got to be in your home under DHR's guidelines for at least three months. Um, and then you go through the court process. And then it's, you know, after that, there's it's kind of a lifelong process um, of trying to navigate different issues in a child's life. And um, Alabama has something called APAC, or the Alabama Post-Adoption Connections, um, that can offer, you know, information, um, adoptive family groups, buddy family mentors, um, and th- a network of trained therapists and things um, of that nature so that, you can have some resources when it's over to be able to kind of manage and navigate different concerns um, related to your child. Um, in public, like I said, public agency adoptions is one of the great, be, you know, best blessings you can give a child who has been in foster care. So if you are willing to adopt a child that's not an infant, you know, you're looking at someone a little older, um, then public agency adoption may be your best bet but if you're going to go that route when you before you get placed with a child ask lots of questions your social worker may know answers to those questions or he or she may not but at least ask about the child's background their medical concerns um, where they've gone to school how they've done in school Um, ask about the parents are they you know do they still have any connection to them do they have relatives close by just so you've got an idea of what you're getting into I know I have a friend who adopted a young man through um, the kind of foster to adopt program and he um, he had family in the area and so when they would go out to Target or go out to eat he may run into one of his family members and it became an issue for the couple. They've now moved actually to another state. Um, But that was something that they had concerns about that they didn't really realize needed to be asked. Um, You know, obviously they would never have changed their mind about adopting him. But at the same time, they probably would have liked to have known that they would have these interactions. And it was just something they didn't think to ask about. So do ask about those. Am I going to be interacting with family members who may see me out here locally um, or not? And things like that. You know, the child's needs, the child's concerns, how many foster homes the child has been in. Um, Were there any allegations of abuse or neglect in any of those foster homes? Um, Did the child make any of those kind of allegations then? Is the child in any kind of counseling? Um, Does the child need any kind of medication on a monthly basis? Just so that you know that you've gotten a good idea and you've gotten lots of good perspective on are you ready and prepared to be mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad to this child? And you just want to make sure you've kind of looked through that um, and made sure you're comfortable. So that's a public agency adoption. And so that kind of rounds out our domestic adoptions. And so then the other option you have is to do an international adoption. And those can be done either under the Hague Convention or not under the Hague Convention. And um, that probably sounds like, oh, my gosh, what are those words? But the Hague Convention is just an international agreement that our country has with several other countries um, that are that says we'll cooperate with each other in respect to intercountry adoption. That um, convention went into effect in the U.S. in 2008. And so there you know, some that make it a little easier if you use a Hague country um, for your adoption process. And the process can be a little more difficult if you're using a non-Hague convention country. So come back after the break and we'll round out our show with a discussion of international adoption.
And welcome back to New Beginnings. I'm Amber James, and this morning we've been discussing adoption. Um, And now in our last two segments, I'm just going to um, have the opportunity to briefly touch on um, international adoption, um, both what we call the Hague Convention and non-Hague Convention adoptions. And basically what that means, um, just in the the kind of briefest form that I can, um, is that if you are dealing with an adoption, under the Hague Convention, then it's just, it's an agreement between countries, the Hague Convention on Protection of Children and Cooperation in Respect of Intercountry Adoption. It's called the Convention. And you have several countries who've signed on to that. Um, as of the, the most recent study I've seen, I believe there are around 89 countries that are members of the Hague Convention. There may be more, but I'm looking at some information that um, you can obtain from childwelfare.gov. Um, and it's a little old. It's really, it's in the 2012-2013 time frame. So there may have been more countries that have signed on since that time. Um, but then you have non-Hague Convention countries. And basically those are countries where they have not reached this agreement regarding how adoption will happen between um, two countries. And so it's not that it's impossible to do adoptions with those countries. It's just that the requirements are going to be somewhat different based upon those two things. Um, the, the Hague Convention or any intercountry adoption is really more or less managed by the Department of State. Um, as well as the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services um, through the Department of Homeland Security. So those two agencies, are two government agencies, are responsible for kind of managing um, inter-country adoptions. And so if you're considering an inter-country adoption and you want um, a lot more information about that process, you can actually go to the State Department website, um, and I think it's state.gov, Um, and just look for international adoption or just adoption. And you should be able to locate some resources related to that. Um, Some of the Hague Convention countries where we have this agreement with this country to do an inter-country adoption are countries like China and Colombia and India. Um, Some of your non-convention countries um, where um, adoptions happen most often are Ethiopia, Russia, and the Republic of Korea. Um, so those are just some of the the countries that you're dealing with in, in those two different agreements. Um, and so if you'll come back after the break, we'll kind of finish up with our discussion of intercountry adoption. Um, and then I will give you some information about how you can get in touch with us if you have further questions. So come back after the break. And welcome back to New Beginnings. I'm Amber James, and today we've been discussing adoption. I mean, in the last segment, I kind of just barely brushed the surface of Hague Convention and non-Hague Convention international adoptions. And one of the things you need to know about dealing with an agency when you are wanting to do an international adoption is that um, the adoption agencies that are actually accredited or approved um, by the Department of State are easy to find. If you go to the State Department website, um, you can actually look up um, a listing of the accredited and approved service providers. And in order to do an inter-country adoption, whether it's under the Hague Convention or not, you must use an accredited and approved service provider. Um, And they also have a list there of agencies that were denied accreditation. So before you work with an agency, you need to check that list to make sure that they have been either accredited or approved um, and that they've not been denied any kind of accreditation. So as long as they've been approved, um, they have met several um, requirements in order to be either accredited 
or approved. And the difference is it's a nonprofit. If it's a nonprofit agency, then it's accredited. Um, if it's a for-profit agency or an individual, then they're considered to be approved. So it's just based upon whether they are for-profit or not-for-profit. Um, but basically, they have to meet several requirements. Um, and under what's called the Intercountry Adoption Universal Accreditation Act, um, all agencies or persons providing um, defined intercountry adoption services must be accredited or approved. They must be supervised by an accredited or approved provider or be exempted from accreditation. So I would always go there and check and always use an accredited or approved provider when you're going to do that. You're also going to have to undergo you know, your home study just like you would for um, a, in, you know, a domestic adoption. But there are additional requirements that have to be met from the Department of Homeland Security. So when you talk to one of these agencies, I would ask them if they understand the difference between a regular home study and a home study that's approved by um, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. So once you get that home study done, if you're choosing to um, adopt from a non-convention country, then that country may have additional requirements related to um, the adoption process. Um, and the, the agency you work with needs to also be familiar with the I-800A um, and the I-800 um, UC, or USCIS forms, the Customs and Immigration Service forms that need to be filed um, before, you know, one is filed before and one is filed after um, the adoption happens. So you've got the 100 or the 800A um, that you fill out ahead of time and then the I-800 um, once you've been placed with um, or been matched with a child and, and your agency should be able to walk you through that process. Generally, if you adopt a child from a Hague Convention country and they come back to the United States, they're coming back on um, an immediate relative type visa, and we don't necessarily have to do a readoption in the United States. Sometimes we have to do that in a case where you're dealing with a non-Hague Convention country because they're going to come back under what's called um, a USCIS Form I-600A application for advanced processing of an orphan petition. So it's just a, one they're coming back as an immediate relative, one they're coming back um, under an orphan petition. So we will not likely, we will likely have to go ahead and do what's called a readoption in the United States, which is really a fairly simple process on our, our end, um, as long as you have in your possession certified copies of all the documents from the home country of the child. So when I say certified copies, they need to have a seal on them. And sometimes they have ribbons. It's just, you know, it's a certified process. So, you know, if you're thinking about adoption, and you want more information, I'm happy to meet with anybody or either of the other two lawyers in our office would be happy to meet with you to discuss that. And so you can give us a call at 256-518-9529. If you want to get a little more information on your own, go to www.childwelfare.gov. And you can also visit the Alabama DHR website as well as the State Department to kind of get more background information. I hope you all have a fabulous weekend and I look forward to seeing you next week.